sorry, I just got that. Small, small recording in progress. Thank you so much for asking. Thanks, 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 Deputy Minister. Uh, honorable members, good morning again. Uh, Mr. Sakaza, can you help us with the with the roll call, please? Thank you, Honorable Chair, and good morning to the Deputy Minister and all the members and the Department at large. Uh, Chair, we have today yourself, uh, Honorable Team Chair. We've got uh, Honorable Mugabe. We've got Honorable Konto, Honorable Demer, Honorable Makubele, Honorable Yinana, Honorable Baker. That's the members that I have today, Chair. And uh, from the supporting staff chair, we've got myself, uh, Sakasa, we've got Ndabini, uh, the committee assistant, Mukwena, the researcher, we've got Ngobo, the open advisor, we've got the communications. Uh, I haven't received any... Sorry, any... sorry, sorry, Mr. Sakasa. Yes, sir. Uh, Honorable Inana, can you, can you mute your, your mic, please? Okay. Honorable, okay. Honorable, please. Okay, I'll do so. Thank please. you, Chair. Um, I haven't received any uh, apology except that uh, uh, Mr. Uh, Wababa, the uh, parliamentary officer, told me that uh, the DG is not here today. That's all, Chair. Thank you very much. Thanks, uh, uh, Mr. Sagaza. Uh, can we then uh, acknowledge again the minister and the deputy minister? And uh, I'm not sure, Masha, are you the one who is standing in for the DG? Yes, indeed, I am standing in for DG. Okay, can you then introduce your delegation, please? Thank you. Thank you, Chair, and good morning to the Honourable Members, Minister, Deputy Minister. In the delegation this morning, I have the two Commissioners, Commissioner for Compensation Fund, uh, Mafata, and Commissioner Maruping for the UIF. I also have the uh, CFOs of the two funds, Ms. Fazer Kapuzi and Mr. Kota. Then I have a number of chief directors of the two funds in the, uh, <clears throat> for the specific areas of responsibility. And um, I have got Mr. Johnny Mudiba, who is the COO for the, for the compensation fund. I have also got Mr. Julian Sopen, who is chief director uh, in the compensation fund. I have Millie Reiters, also a chief director in the compensation fund. Advocate Mziyawa, who's chief director in uh, the UIF. And I have, sorry, the names keep on jumping as, as people join the meeting. Then I'm sure Ms. Kumbi, the, the COO for the UIF, will also join. Chairperson, then there's quite a number of administrative support staff also from the uh, department and from ministry who are in the meeting. Thanks, Chair. And thanks, Masha. Uh, any any observers uh, in the meeting who would want to introduce themselves?
no one uh, who will proceed. I think the, the, the protocol as it is standard, we need just to re-emphasize it that uh, no observers are allowed to raise questions or to speak in the meeting. They should just uh, observe the proceedings from wherever they are. Uh, before we proceed, uh, I will invite uh, Honorable Minister to just to, to say a few, a few words uh, just uh, before we proceed with the presentations. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Honorable Chairperson of the committee today, the Honorable Members of the Portfolio Committee, the Deputy Minister, uh, our COO and the officials of the department, and uh, of course, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to uh, expand on the apology by the DG. The DG is outside the country in a meeting of ministers of labor in Malawi. That's the reason he's not here. Thank you very much for this opportunity. <clears throat> Let me start with an apology and an explanation in Jefferson as why, or as to why I've not attended the portfolio committee meeting recently. There may have been other prior engagements, but you know, there is a, <clears throat> a timetable problem Cabinet and cabinet committees are held on Wednesdays. Even today, I have to jump, maybe for about 30 minutes. There is a clash. We are just fortunate to have this hardworking deputy minister who is always willing to step in to save the day. By the way, Chairperson, the Bible is very clear on this, the difficulties of serving two masters. But in our case, it's not a case of Gordon or Mamam, but a matter of logistics and timetabling. So that would be my plea to the powers that be, that this should be taken into consideration. And my apologies are not seen as running away from the committee. And the cabinet is very hard also on this particular matter, especially on Wednesdays. But today I definitely needed to be at this portfolio committee when it comes to matters of the UIF and the compensation fund, we all know there are deep systemic problems as well as rather basic problems that can and must be fixed. It's on right therefore that uh, the executive authority is here to take accountability alongside uh, the officials. I've said before, we welcome the committee's oversight and, and scrutiny of the department and its entities because uh, it keeps us on the straight and narrow. The officials will therefore provide these detailed presentations. I just want, uh, I just need to flag the following points in relation to the two funds. First, there are plans to fundamentally review the organizational architecture, the systems and processes of the funds. Of course, this will not happen and there are no shortcuts. The forensic auditors have been engaged to address the widespread fraud and corruption which occurred in the funds. The benefits in the case of the UIF 
COVID-19 tariffs program are already being felt with the return of nearly a billion in irregular and illegal payments. That was due to the very specialized and focused follow the money program, supported also by the work of the AG, the SIU and the President's uh, Fusion Center. I look forward to the findings of the forensic report on the compensation fund and I'm guessing that some vested interest will be having uh, sleepless nights. More fundamentally or maybe more immediately, the audit finding action plans are well underway to address the key focus areas and categories identified by the AG, which contributed in the past to negative or disclaimed audit uh, periods. Of course, a plan is only as good as its uh, implementation strategy and the system of detailed monitoring and evaluation that you put in place. This is in place and the case of the compensation fund, we've already reported progress to the committee on this. I just want to flag this as an important step forward. The implementation of the system or of a system of detailed monitoring as the management gurus uh, like to say, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Maybe I need to take one step back and stress Jefferson that uh, the action plans are firmly based on the AG's findings. More than that, at every stage of the planning process, the department and the funds, they work closely with the AG, seeking their input and feedback. Indeed, the AG was gracious enough to acknowledge the positive and cooperative uh, response and their office receives from the department. I have some of the problems because these are things that uh, spring to mind in case of the two funds. But let me also flag some of the programs of the funds going forward reflected in the APPZ threat plan. From the side of the UAF, the UIF, the, <clears throat> the, the, the labor activation have been um, repurposed to focus on the demand-led skills training with the object of placing workers in the actual jobs. We celebrated one of these programs recently in KZN training projects aimed at creating jobs in fiber optics, food handling, and mixed farming sectors. So some 20,000 beneficiaries with the majority now employed. The revitalization of this lab is aligned to the expanded mandate of the department. In case of the compensation fund, one of their main objectives is to strengthen an efficient online system to manage verif verified claims. The system's challenge is that this brings the fund into conflict with parasitic vested interest, the third party middlemen and industry that grew up exactly because of the past inefficiencies of the fund. If the fund successfully reforms itself, the reason for existence of the middlemen fails away. I mean, it falls away. Um, perhaps that's, that's why Chairperson supporters in parliament are so vocal. By the way, their business model was based on unverified and inflated claims. The forensic audit will help us to identify the scale of the scam. So when the commissioner tries to stamp out these practices, 
when it demands accurate and verified documents before paying out claims, I believe he deserves. And it goes without saying that when the fund falls short, he will hold him to account and the executive authority for that matter. By the way, in the private sector, they call it managed health care. In the compensation fund, it has been more um, a feeding frenzy. So again, I implore you, when the commissioner takes on the vested interest, and this can only be done by improving the efficiency of the operation, then it deserves your support. That's all from me, Chairperson uh, <coughs> and Honorable Members. Thank you once again for this opportunity. If I jump, I'll jump out for 30 minutes because I have to go to the cabinet. I have an item which I'm presenting uh, on behalf of, uh, I'm acting as Minister of uh, Higher Education, Science and Technology. Thank you, but it will be just 30 minutes and then I'll be back. That will only be for that matter after 10. Thank you, Jefferson. Thank you, Honorable Minister. Thanks for the incisive and the clear presentations that you have made. You have helped us to have a, an understanding and anticipation of the presentations that are going to come. Consistent with the manner in which uh, we have been uh, uh, working in this committee, you've always uh, never failed to rise to the occasion. Uh, thank you, Minister. That's our vote of confidence. Can we invite uh, the presenter, Ms. Bronkost? Uh, can you help us with the presentation? Uh, Including Chair, those on that, yeah. thank you very much. Uh, I'm not going to introduce or lead an introduction. I think the minister has done that already for me. Thank you for that. The uh, presentation of the compensation fund is quite substantial. And with your indulgence, I would want us to start with that presentation so that we still uh, have, you know, ample time to, to discuss that. And also with your uh, indulgence, I'll ask the commissioner to take us through the presentation uh, so that we make sure that he addresses everything that he wants us to hear, if that is acceptable to, to the committee, Chair. No, that's fine. That's fine, Ms. Brokost. We'll Thanks, then. We'll yes. Com commissioner Mafata will take us through the presentation. I think he has got sharing rights to help us with the presentation. Commissioner? Thank you. Uh, good morning, um, uh, Honorable Chair, uh, Minister, Deputy Minister, and the Honorable Members. Um, I will take you through the presentation of the Compensation Fund. If the Chair allows, the, I've just changed the template of the presentation of the Compensation Fund. Um, just trying to share the document. Thank you, Chair. Uh, the content of the presentation is the same. The slide numbers is the same. I've just changed. We had initially used the internal uh, change management document uh, as a template for the presentation, but we're just using the departmental template now, Chair. Chair, the slides three to nine is the presentation is just basically the background information. Uh, it's the background information with regards to um, 
the compensation fund, which is information that is known to the committee that we always present when we're presenting the um, when we are presenting the APP and the QPR uh, reports on a quarterly basis. So I will start uh, at slide 10, Chair, which uh, talks to the strategic plan of the compensation fund. Slide 10, so the compensation fund strategic plan supports three priorities of government. Priority one, which is the capable ethical and developmental state. Priority two, which is economic transformation and job creation. And priority four, which is consolidating the social wage through reliable and basic services. So the strategic plan that we have and the APPs that we're implementing uh, on an annual basis to achieve the objectives of the strategic plan are aimed at uh, contributing to these priorities as the minister has contracted with the president. Um, so when we look at the, the these priorities of the compensation fund, the first priority is uh, uh, improving systems of internal control and maintaining financial soundness. And the that supports the first uh, MTSF priority of capable and ethical uh, developmental state. And the second CF priority there is developing the capacity of the fund to deliver according to, uh, to its mandate. So these two uh, CF priorities are in support of uh, priority one in the MTSF. In priority two of the MTSF, which is economic transformation and job creation, there's two priorities that the compensation fund is um, supporting, which is uh, that the compensation fund is implementing, which is one priority two to ensure that appropriate benefits are delivered to intended beneficiaries efficiently and at a reasonable cost. And the third priority is that to contribute to employment and economic growth through rehabilitation and reintegration. The third priority that the MTSF priority that we are supporting priority for, which is consolidating the social wage through reliable basic services. There's about five CF priorities that are in support of this particular MTSF priority. The first one is improving operational efficiency through process re-engineering and technological innovation. Secondly, to ensure that appropriate benefits are delivered to the intended beneficiaries efficiently and at a reasonable cost. And lastly, contributing to employment and uh, economic growth through rehabilitation and reintegration once, once again. So these are the priorities that we support in terms of the five-year plan. So in terms of the, the, the five-year plan, when you look at these uh, slides, this just then shows us the, um, the different outcome indicators that we have uh, and the initial five-year target, you'll see with the first outcome of black asset managers that are supported, the five-year target is to have 20% of assets that are managed, uh, that these are investments of the compensation fund uh, managed by black asset managers and uh, having a vacancy rate not more than 8%. And also fully implementing the licenses that the minister issues to, to which wants to assist in the specific sectors and to have contributed uh, through the presidential comprehensive youth employment interventions. We need to have contributed to about 300 um, jobs uh, for youth by March 2025, and also creation of jobs through the investment uh, activities through the Job Summit initiatives, uh, contributing to about 7,000 jobs by March 2025. Uh, when it comes to revenue generation, 95% of the returns of uh, earnings that are assessed, and 10% increase in assets per annum that we also want to have by uh, 2025. And with regards to the audit outcomes, the 
target that we have there is that by March 2024, we should have an unqualified audit opinion. It will be a clean audit. And also 100% elimination of uh, wasteful and fruitless expenditure by March 2024. And the about 75% reduction in regular expenditure, about 75% by March 2024. And uh, resolution of 95% of all cases that would have been reported for fraud and corruption, this needs to have been finalized and investigated. Uh, we need to hit a target of about 95% by March 2024. And also having implemented and established an ethics uh, uh, compet uh, competency within the, uh, the compensation fund. Um, we also, as part of the strategic plan, also then uh, support the implementation of the integrated claims uh, management system by March 2023. You know, the objective of government is to have an integrated claims management system within the social security um, cluster entities. And about 95% of the compensation claims adjudicated, we've set target that uh, by March, by end of 2025, we should have been adjudicating about 95% of compensation claims within 10 days of receipt. And 95% of all compensation benefits that are finalized and needs to have been paid within the five working days. We also have a visibility and accessibility strategy, which is aimed at improving access to the services of the compensation fund through the various channels, technology and non-technology channels. And the, we need to have implemented 100% of this strategy by March 2025. Uh, also with regard to medical benefits, the target that we've set here is to have 95% of all medical benefits uh, or claims finalized and paid within uh, the shortest period of time and the target is 95 moving from the current 85. Um, with regards to rehabilitation and reintegration, uh, we want to get to a situation where almost 90% of all severely injured workers who have suffered permanent disablement as a result of their injuries uh, to be enrolled into rehabilitation programs that would assist to uh, integrate them back into the labor market and where they can't be integrated back to the labor market to ensure successful integration back to their communities. That's the strategic plan of the fund chair in, uh, in a nutshell. If I go to uh, I think slide uh, 19, this is then the takes us through to the annual performance plan of the fund for the financial year 2022-2023. And I'll also focus on slides 22 to slide um, uh, 31 for the first program. So the programs of the compensation fund are divided into about four programs. One is the administration programs, which is then responsible for all the corporate support functions, as well as the finance functions within the fund. Program two is COID services, which is responsible for claims registration, adjudication, as well as assessment of employers. We also then have program three, which is medical benefits responsible for medical services, as well as payment of medical claims. And then we have the last program, program four, which uh, focuses on orthotic and rehabilitation services, which assist workers to make sure that those that are permanently disabled do go through rehabilitation and get some assistive devices that would enable them to be able to continue the everyday functions of life. If I go to slide 22, Chair, um, I'll just move to slide 22, which is program one. So program one is uh, has all those sub-programs that are indicated there from the Office of the Commissioner all the way to all the corporate support 
functions in the fund. In the next slide, we start with the activities as well as the performance indicators that are part of program one. Um, the first target that we had there was percentage of uh, assets under management that are allocated to the asset uh, managers uh, annually. This, uh, so the target for the 2022-2023 is to have 6% of the assets under management allocated to back asset managers. We recall in the strategic plan over the five-year period, this needs to have grown to about 20%, but we're starting then at 6% in 2022-2023. Second indicator also to contribute to job creation is funds that are allocated to small and medium enterprises annually. And the target that we have set for the 2022-2023 financial year is about 250 million. With uh, the target relating to number of jobs, decent jobs that are created through the job summit initiatives annually, the target for the 2022-2023 is 1,500 jobs. The next uh, indicator is the number of jobs that are created through the presidential comprehensive youth employment interventions. And this is the employment of young uh, people fresh out of uh, schooling, metric, and uh, assisting those with uh, job experience. So the target here is about 100 for the 2022-2023 financial year. The second target relating to sustainability of the fund is the, or the percentage increase in total assets per annum. And the target that we've set for 2022-2023 is 10%. So we objectively then measuring the 10% growth over the MTF, MTSF period. The other target uh, is also around uh, improving the audit outcomes. And the, for 2022, we should get no worse than a qualified audit um, for the 2022-2023 financial year, while the objective still remains to attain a clean audit. With regard to wasteful and fruitless expenditure, so the target that we've set for 2022-2023 is to reduce this uh, balance by about 75%. And with regard to regular expenditure to then reduce the balance that we have by about 45%. The last uh, indicator in program one is relating to improving the accessibility and visibility of uh, COID services. And the strategy that we're implementing, 20% of the strategy need to have been implemented by the end of 2022, 2023. If I jump to slide 56, which is program two, program two is uh, COIT services. COIT services is um, uh, also responsible then for compensation benefits, as I said, which registers and adjudicate claims, employer services, which then assesses employers, as well as the investment uh, functions. Um, the first indicator that we have here is um, assessing percentage of uh, received return of earnings assessed annually. And the target that we have here is that of the um, ROEs that have been received, 87 or 97.5% of these needs to have been assessed and uh, finalized. The balance would usually be those that either flagged for audit or were submitted uh, before or by the end of the financial year and there wasn't sufficient time to have assessed those. Second indicator here is a percentage of claims received adjudicated within 30 working days. 
and the target for the 2022-2023 financial year is 90% of claims received adjudicated within 30 working days. Um, the last indicator in this program is uh, the percentage of approved benefits that needs to be paid within five working days. And the target that we've set for 2022-2023 is uh, 90%. We do allow for instances where of business continuity in instances where we either have uh, network downtimes and so on and we're not able to pay within the five working days. That is why the target there is 90, 90%. When I move to program three, it takes us to slide 68, which takes us to program three, medical benefits. The subsequent slides on the two other programs is just basically the details around the technical definitions of what these indicators mean. That's why I am not uh, going through those. Those can be uh, read by the members. So on page, uh, on, on this slide, we basically then looking at program three. Program three comprises of medical services as well as medical claims. So to improve the uh, source of medical services uh, works with uh, the medical doctors that we've employed in the fund and the claims processors then are focusing on the medical claim side of the, of the fund. So if I go to the indicators that we have, so the first indicator is the percentage of requests for pre-authorizations of uh, specialized medical interventions finalized within 10 working days of receipt of accepted claims. Um, so the target for 2022-2023 is that 95% of requests for pre-authorization of specialized medical interventions finalized within 10 working days of receipt. Um, and then the next target is about 80% uh, of uh, medical invoices finalized within the 30 working days of, uh, of, of, of receipt. These are then the two targets that we are tracking and focusing on with regards to uh, medical benefits. If I move to uh, slide 77, slide 77 takes us to program four. Now, program four is um, the rehabilitation and uh, orthotic services, which uh, then is the, the area that focuses on all aspects of rehabilitation, social, vocational, as well as clinical rehabilitation to get workers back into employment and or to integrate back to their families and their communities post the occupational injury. The indicators that we're tracking in this program, first is the request for assistive devices that are finalized um, uh, within a 15 working days. And the target that we've set for 2022, 2023 is 90%. And these are the devices that we give to those that are injured at work. The second uh, indicator here is the number of lenders that are funded annually at post-school education and training institution. This is part of the social activities and rehabilitation work that we do to support the beneficiaries of the COID pensioners and those that have injured at work assist them with uh, post-metric uh, schooling uh, assistance, uh, financial assistance. And the target for 2022-2023 is 895. Uh, learners that will then be funded uh, through post-school education. Um, second one is also the target for persons with disabilities that are funded annually for vocational rehabilitation program. These are also our injured workers themselves who once uh, they've been injured and want to be reskilled so that they can be able to continue to go back to the labor market and contribute in a different uh, 
career altogether. We then assist them with training. The target that we've set for 2022-2023 is 200. This is a new program. There has been a bit of uh, less turnout in terms of pensioners who are willing to want to go to uh, educational institutions to further their skills, but we are working with the pensioners and also some of our um, activities uh, aimed at promoting this particular function. With the, um, with the upcoming COID amendment uh, bill, we focusing more on rehabilitation and reintegration, and this is going to be an important work that the fund will then be doing to assist with job creation and making sure that those that are injured at work go back to employment should they wish to get back to employment. So that's the uh, end of my presentation. I'll end there. The subsequent slides also is just the continuation of explaining what these indicators mean, technical indicators, as well as the breakdown of some of these targets per quarter. I'll end my presentation here. Thank you very much. Thanks, Commissioner Mafata, for your presentation. Honorable members, here's the presentation of the, of the compensation fund. Uh, Commissioner Mafata has just concluded, and it's the time for us to, to raise questions. Michael Bagram. Honorable Bagram. Michael Carter. Honorable Honorable Bagram, Honorable Mkondo, Honorable Kado. Who else? Thank you. Let's proceed in the meantime. May I go ahead? Acting Chair? Yes, yes, Honorable Baker. Thank you, Honorable Monsale. Um, Thank you. I, I actually have a question for the Minister, if you don't mind. Uh, his opening address was actually quite shocking in the sense that he called the third-party administrators parasites. He also said that he believes that um, they were only there because the fund was dysfunctional. Maybe you can expand a bit on that because the fund is completely dysfunctional and that's why they're there. But he also said there's going to be an audit. And every time we ask for uh, problems that exist with third-party administrators, they say, no, they they're going to find those problems. But he must come forward and tell us. He must name and shame the third-party administrator that's a thief or fraudulent or something like that. We need to know. Uh, but at the moment, the fund is so dysfunctional that without them, nothing works. Um, so I need him to comment on it, and I need him to comment on why he called them parasites. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Begram. Uh, I'm sure the commissioner would, would deal with the, with, the, with those questions in the absence of the minister. Uh, or he can respond to you in writing in the event that we conclude before he comes back. Um, but I would allow the commissioner to deal with the questions. Uh, and also the deputy minister, where appropriate. Uh, they will be free to raise to make a response on that. Honorable Mkondo. Good morning, Chair. <clears throat> Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, good morning, fellow members, um, um, the admin staff, and uh, our guests, if there are any guests that have joined us after the roll call. Chair, 
Um, I will start with the comment of the minister. Chair, I will say that it is um, contrasting what the AG um, presented to us. The AG presented the reasons behind this fund being dysfunctional. So what the minister is coming with, it needs another day for discussion because the AG, a chapter nine institution, never told us about an outside partner that is uh, contributing to the dysfunctionality of this fund. The, the fund was summoned, the secondly, the fund was once summoned um, by SCOPA. And I attended that meeting and they requested that the DG and the commissioner of this fund must write letters and explain why they should be kept uh, in their, in their uh, uh, jobs. So I want to know, Chair, if those letters have been uh, written uh, to SCOPA because we are interested as members of this committee as to why should they be kept in their, in their positions. And then the slide 14 and 15 of the strategic plan, it needs a very rigorous uh, uh, monitoring check. I hope um, each time when APPs uh, are presented, we will find sense that really the targets that are being presented on slide 14 and 15 of the strategic plan uh, are measurable and they, they, they are going to be uh, achieved. Um, slide 22 and 23 of um, it was talking about in slide 21 was talking about the jobs created um, during the 2020-2021-22 financial year. My question is, are these statistics uh, given to uh, States SA? Because according to States SA, unemployment in South Africa is increasing every day. But we are having here colleagues are saying, no, there has been jobs that have been created and they envisage creating jobs through those um, programs that they have presented. So my question is, does that information um, made available uh, to States SA? Slide 56 um, talks about the 30 days claims, uh, claims being processed within uh, 30 days. And then um, the target is um, uh, 90%. Um, are we not um, allowing this, um, this fund to, 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 to underplan? I don't know how to call it. Because if they, they are ready to have mitigation plans for the reasons that they have presented, that can prevent uh, that can prevent them achieving 100 percent um then that's 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 a that's a challenge to me 
chair. Why can't we put 100%? And then we look at mitigation plans that anything, any risk that uh, might be experienced, and then we have this mitigation plan, and then we'll obviously achieve our 100%. Why are we underplanning? Why are we saying we are going to do only 90% and then we put a reason? We can't do it because we, 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 we foresee that this and this will happen. If it doesn't happen, and then they will come back and present it as an overachievement. That's, that's, that's the challenge that I'm having, Che. Um, no, Che, I, I, I think I'm done. Thanks very much. Thanks, Honorable Kondo. Honorable Kondo. Uh, thank you, Chair. I noticed that the Minister was still online, um, is still online, so hopefully he can respond uh, to the comments and not just deflect them onto the Commissioner. I, I also take issue with the Minister's extraordinary attack on third-party administrators. Uh, he called them parasites, which is just completely beyond the pale, uh, because we know that third-party administrators are really the only thing that is keeping the whole wobbly pack of cards together. Uh, the compensation fund has been an absolute dysfunctional disaster for as long as we can all remember. So it seems a bit rich for the minister to try and scapegoat the one aspect of the whole scheme that actually works. My question then is, what is the status of the regulations that were gazetted back in October last year, I think it was, affecting the status of third-party administrators? Can you hear me? There seems to be some interference. You can, you can repeat, Honorable Cardo. So my question is, what is the status of those regulations gazetted back in October last year affecting third-party administrators? Um, which seem to be trying to achieve the same thing that was explicitly rejected by the committee when we deliberated on the COIDA Amendment Bill. Uh, is it not very dishonest and underhanded to try and achieve through, regula through regulation what has already been rejected uh, legislatively by the committee? Um, and has the fund given any thought to what it would entail for the actual treatment by medical professionals um, if third-party administrators were done away with entirely. Surely there is a huge threat that these compensation cases would simply just not be um, undertaken by medical professionals anymore. Thank you. Thank you, Honorable Kato. Uh, Commissioner? There's no additional hand here. Commissioner. Are you, are you taking the minister first, Chairman? Chair? Okay. Oh, thanks. Thank thanks, you, Chairperson. Thank you, Chairperson. Um, first of all, uh, the honorable uh, member from the EFF uh, raises the issue which was raised uh, in, uh, in the SCOPA. I would like to answer that question in the scope, but I must say here, when you say to a staff member as a parliamentary committee, 
you must write letters and indicate why you're still keeping your job. I am not sure whether you are starting a disciplinary process as parliament on the job which is supposed to be done by the executive. I'm still dealing with that particular matter. Um, that's the contradiction here. But however, I've responded uh, to, to the scope in relation uh, to this question which we are raising. Because um, otherwise, if we don't respect, if we don't respect the labor laws and start processes in a different way, uh, I think uh, we, will, we will regret. So it can't be Parliament saying, why are you still keeping your job as a staff member? It's supposed to be the executive committee, and I mean the executive member, and the executive must be called to account. What is he doing in terms of consequent management? Not members writing directly to Parliament as if they are starting a, 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 a disciplinary process. That's the first point uh, to Honourable Mkwili. And I stand by what I've said. This issue of the third parties, we've tried everything. We've tried to accommodate them. But what is very clear, it's interest of making a lot of money out of the compensation fund because of the mistakes which are there. And I'm not going to retract that. That's what is, 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 is happening. When we're trying to sit and talk to them and show them how we have to deal with these particular issues, putting uh, the client at the center of this, not the third party at the center of, of this about their own claims and so on, but putting the client at the center of this. Uh, the issue of the regulations, um, I think uh, the commissioner is going to be able to answer. So on, the, on this matter, um, I'm not going to retract. And I've talked about systemic issues which we are dealing with. Because what Scopa was doing was dealing with certain transactions, not with systemic issues, um, which are, I mean, are affecting, uh, are affecting uh, the, the, the compensation fund. It was certain transactions they were not happy with and so on, and which we need to explain on those transactions. But the systemic issues are the issues which we are dealing with. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, Honorable Minister. Uh, Commissioner, you can come in. Thank you, thank you, Chair. Chair, I think we maybe starting with uh, with the with Honorable Mkonto's questions. I think we've noted the comments that she's made around the issues of monitoring and so on. Maybe just responding to the specific questions. The issue of the uh, ninety days target or paying finalizing benefits within uh, five working days. Chair, when you said uh, performance measures and indicators. They need to be smart, specific, measurable, achievable, and uh, reasonable as well as uh, time-bounded. Now, Chair, we operate in an environment where claims would have to adhere to specific criteria for them to be paid. If a claim doesn't adhere to that, you then have to make sure that then you assist the client or you assist whoever was prepared of the claim to make sure that that is payable. And Oftentimes, it may spend beyond even the five days. You also have the operating in a technology environment, Chair. Yeah? Uh, technology is affected by items, things like load shedding. Technology is affected by downtimes as a result of the network downtimes as well. So uh, when you plan and you set objectives, you need to be able to consider this as well. Otherwise, you'll be setting unreasonable goals 
which uh, may create unreasonable expectations. And that is why when we set the targets, we then set. But we strive for when we're working is to able to pay everything within five working days. But we know that is always not possible. So that's what we have planned for. We don't even necessarily planned to, uh, uh, to fail. Uh, moving to Honorable Cardo's comments around the regulation. We published a notice. Um, I am yet to see anybody show me where in the notice we specifically refer to third parties. The COID Act speaks to two parties or three parties that you are paying. Um, and these three parties is one, the employer in an event that they've paid a salary of the worker during the, the treatment of the injury and you have to reimburse the worker. You also, the, the, the employer, you pay the uh, injured worker for the injuries. You also pay the treating health practitioner for treating the injuries of the worker. The notice speaks and is directed to those three parties and it outlines the rules that we uh, follow then when we pay to make sure that we safeguard the payments and we pay the money to the right person. Um, so this notice is not about third parties. We've never even explicitly said third parties or anybody. We're basically saying these are the rules that we follow to pay. And these are the rules as expected of us. We, the accounting authority, which is the DG, the commissioner and all officials in the fund are expected to implement systems of internal control to make sure that we safeguard the assets as well as the resources of the fund. And some of these notices and some of these rules that we put in place are in pursuance of making sure that of, of, of adhering to the Public Finance Management Act. We can never, ever uh, set rules or pay for the sake of uh, uh, satisfying specific individuals while compromising the controls as well as compromising the safety of the monies that we are paying to the intended beneficiaries. And that's the whole objective and purpose of, of this. It has nothing to do with the COID amendment bill, but it has everything to do with the current COID legislation. And we've clarified that and said that a number of times. Chair, I think we've noted all the other comments. Chair, if there's a question that I've missed, uh, my colleagues maybe will step in, Chair. But I think I've responded to all the questions. Thank you. Jay, if you will allow me, um, just I think the Commissioner skipped the question on whether the stats are given through to Stats South Africa. Yes. Um, yes. That, uh, that uh, yeah, that uh, all the information, the statistical information forms part of the department's NTSF reports, which go to all the uh, interested parties. But I think we must uh, remember that we also sometimes find that although we might create 2,000 or 3,000 job opportunities, uh, the economy might shed 5,000, then we're still in a negative balance. But to confirm that the information gets in uh, reported in our MTSF reports that go to all the relevant stakeholders. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Ms. Uh, Bronghorst, and thanks, Commissioner, as well. Any further comments or questions of clarity? Honorable members from the Compensation Fund. Chairperson, Honorable Denner. Yes, Honorable Denner. Thank you, Chair. Um, sorry, I can't get my hand up. I don't know what's going on. Um, I would just okay. like to know from the Compensation Fund with regards to the regulations. Um, there were many comments 
um, sent to the Compensation Fund with regards to the regulations that were published for comment. And I would just like to know um, how many comments were received? Were those comments um, taken into cognizance with regards to the outcome of the regulations? And will these regulations be amended or will they be um, will they be uh, published and uh, continued with as is? Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Honorable Dana. Uh, Commissioner? Thank you, Chair. Uh, Chair, I think we've previously reported to the committee that we received about 76 comments and we are still going through the comments. Some of them are legal in nature and we're also then subjecting them to some legal uh, scrutiny. And once we finalize that whole process, we will then publish the final notice because the initial notice was just for comments to be received. Then we'll final, publish the final notice with the specific rules. So some of the risks that we're managing, we're dealing with them as exceptions at the current moment, but the plan with the notice was to basically then enforce uh, the, those uh, exceptions and make sure that if there's any exceptions, we don't deal with those. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Commissioner. Uh, any further questions? If there are no further questions, can we then uh, proceed and uh, invite uh, the Unemployment Insurance Fund for presentation? Ms. Broncos, are you going to again give guidance on that? Or yeah, the... Yes. Okay. Yeah, Chairperson, the Commissioner can take us through. It's, it's a substantially shorter presentation than the previous one, but he can take us through. Thanks, Chair. Thanks, 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 ma'am. Uh, good morning, uh, members and, and minister and deputy minister. This is Debo Homaru, being the UIF commissioner. I'll start with the presentation, sir, starting with slide number three, the Tema Fata. Uh, Chairperson and members, what we're, what we're highlighting in slide number three is what informs the work that you do. We are just lifting up those areas in the acts that informs why we have, what employers must register, why they must declare pay contributions, and why we, we pay claims. And what is defined in the claim in, in the act about claims. We also touch also touch about the funding instruments that you put in place for labor activation, which is predominantly section 5D. And then we also lift up here priority one, two, and four, where UIF plays a role. And we are highlighting those outcome indicators that we've lifted up that are supporting those priorities and which outcome um, is linked to UIF. If you can go to slide number five, I'm going to zero in on the specific outcomes and specific priorities. Uh, on this slide, the, the, the focus is on priority number one, a capable ethical and developmental state. We're looking at an outcome for UIF of a functional and efficient UIF. There's five targets here, Chair, that we're lifting up. And the first one is an improved audit opinion obtained from auditors. And this will be driven through implementation of the audit findings before, because linked to those audit findings from Auditor General is the, the control environment and how we improve the control environment, which will bring about the change. 
in the audit opinion. And the next one, Chair, is also the around time to pay suppliers. We, we believe that if, if we pay the suppliers on time, then it contributes towards uh, employment creation and, so, and also ensuring that SMMEs are supported and they continue to function. Our baseline here is 99.9%. We only missed three of the invoices, but we're still targeting 100% within uh, 30, uh, 30 days, Chair. And then uh, the next one, is our drive chair as as you know that uh, we 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 funded covid 19 during 2020 2021 and even now we're still paying some of the cases there's a, there's a number of investigation cases that have come our way chair and we are striving to to resolve 95% of these within 90 working days as prescribed so that we can bring to book those people that have either defrauded the UIF or has um, have applied incorrectly uh, through the fund. And also one of the key items that we are improving here, Chair, is a, an improved claim management systems. We've received many complaints at, at different fronts. Uh, and because our systems are not integrated in a manner that supports an efficient and an effective uh, claims processing, the plan is by 31st March 2023, we'll have an integrated, fully functional, integrated claims management system so that we can service our customers timelessly and they can receive the benefits that are due to them on time. And then the last one in this area is we want to verify all the COVID-19 test benefits. And here, this is an internal target that we are targeting 14,000 employers that we want to pursue as as, a, as, as an internal function, even though we are going to appoint about 11 uh, external um, follow, the, follow the money companies that are going to be going to the remaining percentages because we intend to follow up 100% of the companies that were paid COVID tests, but as an internal instrument, we also do a certain percentage of this. And our target is 14,000 given the capacity within. And then on this slide again, Chair, um, as part of strengthening institutional capacity of the fund is to make sure that all the vacancies are filled. Uh, right now, we're sitting at 7.1% with 43 posts that are still vacant. Our target for, for 2025 is at 3%, but when I'm, when I'm going through the, the quarterly targets, I also reflect what is the target for 2022, 2023. If you can move to the next slide, in the On slide, six, on slide six, Chair, this is a priority number two. We're looking at economic transformation and job creation. And the outcome for UIF here is, is more decent jobs created and sustained. We want to contribute towards um, job creation and also sustaining these jobs. In the main, because this speaks to the sustainability of UIF itself. If we have people employed, then they continue to contribute and UIF uh, remains sustainable. And one of our targets here, Chair, is to have for the 2021 financial year we had 13,000 uh, that we achieved uh, for the for the financial year leading to 2020 2025 our target is 75,000 but I'll walk through the quarterly targets in the next slide and then for sustainable enterprises chair we are looking at 90% of the project that we funded because we have a number of projects that we funded that we want to pursue, that we want to follow up and, and ensure that they're delivering as per, as per their mandate, in particular, one of creating jobs 
and sustain jobs. So we'll be visiting 90% of those, of those projects, while the 10% will be visited by internal staff. And then also the next target chair is an improved turnaround time to reject or approve a valid temporary, uh, temporary employer employer relief scheme. Uh, here, chair, the drive here is on sustaining jobs that are already there. Where companies are in distress, we want to make sure that 90% of, of these valid applications are processed. Uh, previously, we had achieved 23% because there was, a, there was a definition issue on the on the technical indicator, which we have since improved. And hence, you'd see that now it says improved turnaround time to approved and reject a valid uh, temporary or temp a tears application. And previously, it did not have valid. It was val the validity of the, claim, of the claim is important because one of the items here was the, the compliance with the UI Act. If you can go to slide number seven. On slide number seven, the, the, the emphasis is on priority number four, which is consolidating social wage through reliable and basic services. And our outcomes here, Chair, is an, an inclusive and a responsive social security coverage. Now, the first item here, Chair, is, is unemployment benefit. Uh, currently, we are sitting at 87% paid within 15 working days. We are targeting 95% of these benefits paid uh, within 15 days by 2025. And, and the emphasis chair is, is, is in the previous slide, is an is integrated claims management system which will enable a higher percentage within a shorter space of time. Uh, even We might even review the 15 days as, as the system matures, right, once it's implemented. And then the next tar target chair is 95% of valid in service benefits claims uh, paid within seven working days our current performance is sitting at 87% within 10 days, and we believe we can reduce the number of days we are paying these claims for maternity, illness, and adoption, and we are reducing it to seven working days by 2025. And the next one is uh, the deceased benefit. Uh, currently, we are paying them within 20 days, and we, we've done this now 85% within 20 days, and we want to improve this further and take it to 10, 10 working days by 2025 at 95% of these. And the next target chair is um, the, the payment of, of, of um, continuation of payments where people have applied before and now we are, we are, is a continuation of payments every month that they just come and confirm that yes, indeed, I'm still unemployed or I'm still on maternity leave. Uh, currently we are sitting at 99% within five working days. And we want, to reach, we want to take this further down and do this 100% within two working days by uh, 31st March. And the last one is 99% within one working day. And here, this is new companies that are registering for UIF. Currently, we are sitting at 99% within a day. And we say, let's do this now. Let's do 100% now within a day. And next slide. Chair. Uh, on, and on slide nine, these are our quarterly, uh, quarterly targets, Chair. And I think what I want to lift up, maybe if you can just go to slide number 11, Datima Fata. Yes, if, if you go on to slide number 11, Chair, I think what I want to lift up here in particular is that the number of beneficiaries 
that will be participating in employer employability programs. For 2022-2023, our target is 15,000. As you recall, our baseline is sitting at 13,000 and we want to pick this up to 15,000. And those are the quarterly targets at 5,000 uh, per quarter. I'm going to ask the CFO to walk us through slide number 12 on the budget allocation, just to give the committee a feel of where we are in terms of budgeting. Ms. Kuzi. Thank you. Um, good morning, honorable members, um, minister and deputy minister. I'm gonna take you through just the highlights of our budget that supports this um, uh, strategic planning. And I'm not gonna dwell much on the numbers, but I just want to indicate to the members, if you look at um, the top right of the presentation, we've got three programs. Program one being the administrative um, administration program. Um, program two being business operations. This is where we are paying our claims. Then the next program being uh, labor activation programs. So what we're trying to depict here members is um, the budget that we have set aside to support the, the plan. So what we tried to do was to give you um, the history in terms of what and how we have spent um, in the last three years, that is 2019, 2019, 20, 2020, 2021. And you'd also note that um, if we, you move to the right um, corner, then we're also showing you our projections for the next uh, MTF period. So if you note again, if you look at the three years audited, you will see that 2018-19, we spent um, 10.4 billion. Then it increased in 2019-2019 billion. Then 2021, due to the COVID tariff payments, then our spending shot um, up drastically uh, to 71 billion. However, we're starting to see a decline now in terms of spending. If you look at the revised estimated uh, um, for 2021-22, we're now moving to 46 billion. And then for the year 2022-23, the one, the budget that is supporting this um, plan, we're seeing now a decrease again in terms of our budget. And mainly it is due to business operations. Um, we're moving now from 68 billion to uh, 26 billion. And this is mainly due to us now, um, you know, um, the main contributor here was COVID tariffs. So now that we're no longer uh, gonna be dealing with COVID tariffs um, in the year 2022-23, the budget has been revised down. What we also budgeted for um, uh, in the previous year was the um, WABU, that is um, workers affected by the, um, the unrest. So there was money set aside. So um, in this uh, financial year, we anticipate that uh, there will be no, um, uh, we didn't catch, um, ca um, cater for those uh, special uh, projects, which we believe would have been addressed um, uh, in the 2021-22 financial year. The next of the rows, members, is just a depiction, it's just a breakdown of the summary that has been provided um, uh, at the top level. So our budget for 2023 is 33.6 billion. 
as compared to the 46.3 billion that we set aside for 2021-22. I'll end up there, members. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks, Commissioner and the the CFO for the presentations. Uh, honorable members, here are the presentations of the Unemployment Insurance Fund. Uh, can we invite questions? Is Michael Bagram? Order. Yes, Honorable Bagram, Honorable Cardo, Honorable Kondo. I'm sorry? Honorable Denner, please, Chair. Honorable Denner. Can we start with the Honorable Bagram? Thank you, Acting Chair. I appreciate it. Um, it, it was Mark Twain, people might know him, who said that their lies, damned lies and statistics. And we've heard some very good statistics here today and plans. But on the ground, and I'm sure most of my honorable brothers and sisters on this call will testify that the reality is that there are people forever telling me that no one answers the phone at, at the fund. No one ever answers them. And when they do get an answer, it says you will have an answer within 10 days. They don't get the answers. Is there any possibility of the commissioner here and now telling us what phone number would be working? And we'll have someone manning that phone number telling them what the answer is. Because somehow people, you get through eventually after months of calling, and people say, yes, we'll get back to you, and they never do. Um, we need something functional. This, the, the UIF is a people-facing entity of the department. People need to know where they are, when they're going to get paid, how much they're going to get paid, how was it calculated. None of that is ever answered. And so maybe the commissioner, I'm sorry to put him on the spot, he's trying desperately to make things work, but somehow it's not working. Thank you, Acting Chair. Thank you, Honourable Bankram. Honourable Kado. Uh, thanks, Chair. I have three questions. Firstly, what was the total amount of money paid in terms of the COVID-19 TERS benefit in the end? And how much of that was found to have been associated with fraudulent transactions? Secondly, what are the current assets of the UIF? And then thirdly, with the unemployment rate climbing over 35% now, according to yesterday's quarterly labor force survey, and expected to climb even further, what are the funds actuaries saying about the fund's long-term sustainability? I mean, what are your are your coffers likely to be affected if you reach an unemployment rate of say 40%? If so, how? What are the, the numbers and the projections involved? Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Honorable Cardo. Honorable Mkondo. Uh, thanks, Chair. <clears throat> Slide five talked about the system that will, an integrated management system that will be able to verify all COVID 19 tests. My question is is that system a uh, Will that system be able to identify repeated employees? For example, Chair, if um, there is a, 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 an 
Nonsele PTY LTD and the Mkondo PTY LTD. And there are five employees. Whilst applying for TERS, they appear in both companies. Is this system going to be able to identify such fraudulent, uh, fraudulent uh, uh, activities? Thank you. Thanks, Honorable Mkondo. <laughs> Left this non-selected to ILTT. It's not there. Uh, Honorable Tena, please. Thank you, Chair. Um, Chair, I have two questions. The first one is with regards to the practical working of the UIF. I'm sure the other colleagues have also received complaints about people who submit and submit and submit the same documentation over and over again, only to be requested upon follow-up on their claims that that same documentation is still outstanding. Then they submit it again, and then it's not uploaded on the system, or it's they requested to submit it again. So I'd like to know, is it human error? Is it poor administration? Is it a system error? Can the commissioner please shed light on that problem? Because it, it cannot be that people are requested to submit the same documentation over and over again. That's my first question. My second question is, are there any um, TERS claims still outstanding, still to be finalized? I have myself uh, um, escalated a TERS problem through the office of the deputy minister, for which I'm still awaiting feedback, and that's been more than a year now. So I'd just like to know, are there still TERS claims still to be finalized? And if so, how many? And by when will they be finalized, please? Thank you, Chair. Thanks, Honorable Tena. Commissioner. Uh, Honorable Mdabe. Sorry, sorry, Honorable Mdabe. No, thank you, Chair. Uh, my apologies. Uh, uh, I'm not sure whether it's a natural challenges. Uh, can't be able to raise our hands uh, and the systems. The financial uh, budget. Um, on the budget, there is about 3.1 billion allocated for labor activation program. But uh, on the AP, the target in terms of labor. Your network is bad, Honorable. Can I, can you can can you write yeah, on the uh, chat? We can we can read it while challenge we have. Okay, thanks. You'll write on the chat. Honorable Mdabe. Yes, Chair. You'll write on the chat, but you are clear now. You can you can you can proceed. You are clear now. I'm saying. No, no, there's no improvement. I couldn't hear anything at all. No, let's 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 take let's take the option of writing on the chat. Okay. Sorry for sorry for that, Honorable Mdavi. Any other question? Uh, the question on my side, uh, Commissioner, 
and your team is the weather, for instance, I think I appreciate the presentation made, but on slide six, on the targeted employment uh, number of 75,000, uh, which is fine whether it would not be helpful also to set to do a breakdown of that in terms of the quotas so that we are able to do a quarterly uh, review of the of the of those uh, targeted which is a total target over the 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 three year uh, period so instead of doing that uh, you break it as well so that is linked to the quotas i just want to check if that is not uh, going to be helpful. Thanks, uh, Commissioner. Can we allow you uh, to, 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 to respond to the questions? But you should also take note that there will be a question that will be on the on the on the on the chat on the chat box. I'll also look out for it. Commissioner uh, Marupe. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Chairperson. And I must just indicate that the questions are quite progressive and will take the UIF far in more ways than one. Let me start with the Honorable Mdabe's question because it's still fresh in my head, Chair. Uh, I think on slide 11, we've, we've broken down uh, this employment target, Chair. Uh, I think maybe I might have just walked through that, that slide quickly. It's on slide 11. The target for 2022-2023 is 15,000. And the quarterly targets are broken down there as quarter one, 5,000, quarter two, 5,000, and then quarter three and four, 2,500 and 2,500 each. I think the CFO will talk on some of the areas of, of the budget. Let me just hit on, on some of the questions, Chair. The first one is from Honorable Bakrim about the call center, yes, I think, Chair, as a department, we did pick up that there were issues around how how quickly the, the queries of clients were being attended. And hence, we've moved towards a centralized um, call center for the department, which currently has started with the project of UIF and has over 100 uh, employees. I think right now we are still going through uh, some teething, some teething process as we are training these employees, train them on the systems. But I think, Chair, um, uh, over time, we're going to start to see some huge improvement in that space because at least you have a centralized call center with at least a, a bigger number of people that are accessing, that are, are accessible to respond to the questions. And then uh, Honorable Mkonto raised the issue around if you are able to pick up repeated employees. Yes, it's, it's true, Chair, that we are able to pick up repeated, both repeated employees and employers. If, if an employer applies for COVID tests, we are able to pick up if they are applying for the second iteration or the third. Because if you'd recall, Chair, there were a number of iterations that uh, were pronounced around COVID tests and the, and the lockdown periods. Where the first, the first one was level five, then level four, level three, as each level changed it also impacted on who can apply, who may not apply. So we are able to pick up on the system if a particular sector is not supposed to apply or is supposed to apply. And, and it's the same platform that you use where we are referring cases to SIU for investigation or we refer cases to the Fusion Center for investigation. 
but we're able to pick up a repeated employees. But we are not able to pick up immediately if it's a fraudulent case. What we're able to pick up is if, a, if an employer applies, but they're in the sector that is active in the economy and they're not supposed to apply, those would be able to pick up. If, say, for example, in level five, a, a health institution applied for, for COVID and we knew that health institutions were open and functional, we'd be able to pick up those and refer them for investigations. Um, I think I can leave it at that, Chair. But I think if uh, Honorable Kondo has a specific case that he want, uh, would like us to look at, Chair, um, I'm open to look at those and, and provide uh, feedback uh, separately. And then there were questions raised by Honorable uh, uh, Denner. Is we submit documents over and over. I, I've, I've had this, this, this complaint a number of times, Chair. And one of the things that we've done at this stage as a, as a department again, is uh, previously UI operations were centralized at head office and we had capacity in the provinces that were not enjoying the benefits of. And in the past six months, Chair, we've decentralized these functions into the provinces to the labor center. This will enable um, the, the applicant to be able to access the, the people that they have, they've set up, that they've applied to. And in this way, provinces and labor centers are able to own the, the, the client and manage this land experience end to end, because it's sitting now at, at provincial level, at labor center level. And once again, this is it's a new process and we're anticipating that as, as the process matures, we are going to start to enjoy the benefits of um, this decentralized processing and where capacity is needed will also add capacity to the provincial footprints so that they're able to process up appropriately. And I'm, I can also add that in the provinces, we've also added director UIF operations in each province, which will enable a head in a province to run with UIF operations. And, and this too, as it matures, Chair, we anticipate to see an improved service delivery on these cases. Uh, she also raised about if there's COVID tests, Payments still outstanding. Yes, we still have a number of COVID tests that are outstanding. In the main, these this outstanding COVID tests are driven by, they are driven by the, the information that has not been provided by the applicant. And where the information is still outstanding, like for example, you'd find that uh, there's an application where the monetary value that has been applied for does not tally with the declaration value or the bank account there's an issue with the banking account that has been supplied or the uif, UIF reference number is, is a problem so each case is unique but we still have cases that are outstanding uh, that we are still open to pay once uh, those error messages has been fixed and honorable tenor you can also maybe um, provide me with your cases that are still outstanding i have, a, I have a, a team of people that are working on those just to focus to make sure that these cases are resolved. And we're also setting aside a separate COVID test team that will work throughout the, the whole uh, COVID test applications to close them and also ensure that uh, there's, there's investigation that needs to take place if there's any, and also uh, the necessary accounting treatment that you put in place for whatever funds that you are receiving from the process. Uh, Honorable Cardo raised three questions, Chair. Uh, the first one was how much money has been paid for COVID tests? Year to date, Chair, we've paid 63.7 billion rands for COVID tests. And when I say year to date, I mean as far as the end of February. 
That's how much money we've paid for COVID tests. In terms of current assets, Chair, just yesterday, we were looking at our financial position. Currently, we are just sitting at over 120 billion rands as UIF, and we are still in good standing to be able to, to, to cater for our, our, our beneficiaries. The organization is still stable, but Auditor General has raised a concern that um, the financial position of the fund has dropped substantially, given that we've paid these 63.7 billion rands. And they're equally concerned that if we continue at this trajectory, the, the, the long-term financial sustainability of the fund is concerning. And the, the one case in point is for the past uh, six months, we have, received, we have received less contributions as compared to the, benefit, the, the UIF benefits that we are paying. And in the previous years, we're receiving more contributions compared to how much we're paying out. So as we are paying out now, we are starting to eat on the, on the, on the surplus. And we've already asked our actuaries to give us a, a long-term sustainability uh, plan. They presented yesterday, Chair. We are, they gave us a report yesterday. So there's been a, an, an assessment of our sustainability. We are going to discuss this as EXCO. And I think in an appropriate moment, Chair, we'll share the status of the fund, but the actuaries have already done the work. We're just going to analyze the report now, Chair. I'm not sure, Chair, if I missed any question, in particular in the chart, because I've not seen those, Chair. Thank you. Uh, I'll ask the CFO to respond on some of the finance questions that were raised. CFO, if you can just cover the... Yes. Thank you. Um, thank you, Commissioner. I think the question was from Honorable um, Dabia. The question is, is the budget on the lab um, aligned to the number of applications received. Um, what I can indicate to members, for instance, if you look at um, the labor activation, labor activation has three deliverables being on the COVID, uh, on, the, on the terms, that is employer and employee relief scheme. This program is um, you know, uh, run from the CCMA or rather adjudicated at CCMA. These are companies that are in distress and uh, going through um, retrenchments, some of these uh, companies. So they will then go to uh, the CCMA and apply for this um, relief. Number two, we also have uh, a program that talks to employability, as well as we have uh, other pro programs to ensure that we then um, assist in terms of employment. So I think the question from the member, if we look at the budget itself uh, on labor activation, um, you'll note that in 2021, um, the spending was very low. It was about 723 million. And if you note again that uh, in 2022, the budget has then been increased to 3.1 billion. And the reason for that members is that um, there is a program underway, or there is a, a, a program that we call a labor activation revamp. It is run from the office of the DG, where he is trying to turn around this area to ensure that we respond um, to the uh, to employability of the country. So the budget is based on the actual cases that we have received, that we know of, and we also project for the future. So cases we've seen, there's a lot of cases that we're receiving from at the CCMA, 
for the terrorist support, and we also received applications. But what I can indicate to, to members is that this is an ongoing uh, program because you get applications on the monthly on a monthly basis. So it's not a matter of saying we are budgeting on what you've or you only received, but you also anticipate on what you're going to, to receive uh, going forward. So we have put ample a budget to ensure that, um, you know, for all the applications that we receive through the CCMA, uh, or rather through the other applications for employability programs, they are catered for. We are also working with the productivity um, South Africa that helps to turn around these companies. So we then support all of those um, initiatives through the labor activation program. Thank you very much, uh, Chair. Thanks, thanks, Commissioner and Chair. My apologies, there was a question about how much of the money is possibly fraudulent. I just want to yeah. indicate, Chair, that there's 47.5 million. That is with the Fusion Center for Investigation that has been reported as a possible fraudulent um, amount. Thank you, Chair. Okay, Commissioner. Your 75,000, or you've responded to it? The uh, yes, Chair. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, on, it's on slide 11, Chair. Yeah. Thank you. On the honorable honorable condo, you said you do have uh, the the detail. You uh, you'll you'll finish the details. So that is on the chat. Honorable condo, you yes, want sir. to clarify on that? Yes. No. Yes, chair. But uh, I, I would prefer to speak tr uh, privately with the the commissioner. I will finish all the information uh, to him. <laughs> Commissioner, you 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 please note that Honorable Condo will 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 furnish you with all the details. Thank you, Chair. Okay. Any further questions, and Honorable Members? Yes. Acting Chair Michael Bagram, if possible. Uh, Michael yes. Cardo, okay. Michael too. Okay. You can you can come with your follow up questions, Honorable Bagram first. Thank you, Acting Chair. I really appreciate it. Um, the, the Commissioner said that it is concerning the long-term ability to pay because we all know that the unemployment figures will reach the 50%. Um, and obviously, it, we're relying very strongly on them recovering the monies that have been stolen. Uh, that, that's important. Um, but obviously, also, I want to hear about the PIC monies that we... Billions were stolen there, and um, I want to know what they're doing to recover that as well so we don't have the problem. We all know that the, um, the fund itself uh, has failed the South African workforce, and I just wanted to know from the minister if he would at least do the honourable thing and consider resigning. So thank you, Acting Chair. Thanks, uh, Honourable Bekram. The question is for the Commissioner. Uh, Honorable Cardo. Uh, thank you, Chair. I just wanted to follow up on something that was said about uh, the fund surplus being eaten into. Uh, it was mentioned that the fund has been receiving uh, 
fewer contributions than it has been paying out benefits over the last six months. And I wanted to know whether you could actually quantify that. I mean, what is the discrepancy between the amount received and the amount paid out over the last six months? And has it been getting progressively worse over the course of those six months? In other words, what is the trend looking like? Thanks. Thanks, Honorable uh, Cardo. Uh, no further additional questions. Uh, Commissioner, can you uh, deal with the two questions of the billions and the issues of the matters arising on six months? Commissioner? Uh, thank you, Chair. Yes, I think the, the first one around the PIC and the possible um, fraudulent activities that might be happening with our investment. Um, interesting enough, Chair, yesterday we had a meeting with the PIC team, with the CEO in particular, uh, Chair, and we, we've requested a report from the PIC on all the investment, especially those that has been mentioned in the media and those investments that are not performing. And we've also asked them to give us a detailed breakdown on some of the activities that they've taken with respect to some of the investment. In some cases, Chair, some of the cases have already been reported to, uh, to fraud, but I think once I, ha I have the complete report, I'll be able to, to report the portfolio committee. I think we've given them uh, 14 days to put together this report, including the action that they're taking or on, or on, or in, in the whole portfolio, Chair. That, um, um, I think in, in particular, Chair, we're looking into the total portfolio and then we're looking into those assets that are not performing, then we're looking into the assets that um, fraud has been reported on, onto them. And also we've asked them to look into the Mopati, um, the, the Mopati Commission on some of the areas that affects UIF, because we also want, want to have a complete picture on what is happening with the portfolio. And if needs be, whether we need to review our uh, our investment strategy and approach, but it will be based on, on that report once we receive it. I'll ask the CFO just to give us a picture on, on, the, on the contribution versus the payment and how did the each just be performing. Thanks, Chair. Okay. Thank you, um, 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 Chair. If yes. I could um, you know, uh, give um, members the financial performance for the period ended 31st at December 2021. Um, so in terms of our revenue collection, that is from the contributions, uh, we collected about 15.8 billion. This excludes um, interest and from investments, just on contributions. Um, so we collected 15.8 billion for the period. As compared to the payments now on the benefit payments, Benefit payments, we paid 18 billion. So if you compare the two, you already have a gross <laughs> deficit of 3 billion because you collected 15 billion, 15.8 billion, and you're paying um, 18 billion. So you already have a two, uh, uh, let me say 2.5 billion uh, 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 deficit. However, because we've got investments, we they somehow supplement, you know, the, the contributions. Um, and in terms of the um, investments that we receive, 
from uh, we managed to collect about um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to check my figure here um, on the other income we collected about 218 million and then on uh, investments uh, income from investments it was about 5 billion so it it's somehow uh, you know um, uh, closed or you know uh, beefed up the, our revenue and closed the, the deficit side of it so if we were just only looking at what we're receiving and what we are paying, we have a problem. But because we had reserves and we have investments, so that is why the fund ends up with a net surplus. Thank you, Chair. I hope I've, I've responded. Thank you, Chair. Thank, thank you, thank you, CFO. Uh, any no further questions? Uh, we can proceed. No further questions. Uh, my apology for my unmuted uh, noise uh, to the to the honourable meeting of the honourables. Uh, sorry, can chair, we, um, sorry to interrupt you, Chair. Can I just ask for a clarification on the answer to my question? It, it was simply. Okay. What okay, can come honourable Cardo, but uh, yeah. Okay, it's just a very quick one. I just wanted to know what period uh, was the respondent referring to um, in quoting those figures? What time period was was being referred to? Thanks. Uh, CFO, can you clarify yes. that? Yes, Chair. It is from the 1st of April 2021 to 31st December 2021. Thanks. So it's... Yes, thank you, sir. Thanks, thanks, CFO. Uh, honorable members, uh, there are no further questions. Uh, let's thank uh, the presentations that have been made. And uh, check, I'm checking, uh, Honorable uh, Deputy Minister, any remarks you would want to make? Honorable Deputy Minister, are you still with us? Ms. Bronkost is the Deputy Minister in the, on the platform. I'm trying to check Chairperson, but I don't see I don't see her. Um, okay. No, that's fine. Then it means then we have come to the end of our of our meeting in the absence of additional uh, questions and remarks. But I, I I think it would be important again to re-emphasize the points that have been made by Honourable Minister, and as well as the responses in in in, in the form of questions from the Honourable Members that our primary objective is to ensure that the entities perform to their optimum uh, and that the issues relating to all the nefarious uh, activities are dealt with uh, expeditiously and that in particular the uh, unemployment uh, insurance fund is able to be able to 
be able to 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 respond to the growing uh, uh, expectations of our people, particularly those who are in fact uh, uh, affected by the unemployment and the destruction of jobs that is currently uh, underway. Having said that, I think the most important point again is for us to ensure that uh, as we engage on these issues, we assist the entities to particularly position themselves and respond also to the issues raised by the AGES report on the one side, but also to meet their targets on the other side so that we ensure that uh, at the end of each term we are able to present uh, comprehensive reports and the reports that respond to everything, particularly those areas that have been raised uh, by the AGES uh, report. Uh, we all are concerned and we would want to see a situation wherein we would be able to respond to ongoing a decline in terms of job creation by ensuring that our entities as well in the commitments that we're making uh, that is of creating uh, employment or creating conditions that bring about jobs I in fact realized uh, having said that I want to thank both the commissioner commissioner of the compensation fund and the commissioner of uh, UIF and their teams and the team leader Ms. Bronkhorst, and the minister, the deputy minister, and the minister for their presence and their assistance in making sure that we as this uh, uh, portfolio committee uh, are able to conclude on these presentations today. So thank you. The meeting is adjourned, uh, honorable members. Thank you very thank much, you, members. Thank you, Chair. Thank you, Chair. Thank you. Thanks, Chair. Thank you.